Wilbur? The member from Belfast, Ponell Bay. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise, Mr. Speaker, to speak uh, on the budget which uh, we had brought in in the spring. Uh, it's an opportunity for me to talk about my riding and about what has taken place in the province. One of the things that has really happened in this province in the last number of years is the expansion of the economy. I, I think uh, it all started with the industrial malls a number of years ago and is, uh, and is uh, continuing over the, the last number of years. The federal government has also contributed to that in Charlottetown and in Summerside. I must say, Mr. Speaker, every time this house opens, that lawnmower seems to be going outside. Is, it, is the guy going over and over the lawn, or what is he doing out there? If it's under the Department of Public Works, I wish the minister would tell him to take off. Go someplace else. He could cut the grass in the morning, and then we could hear one another. But he's been going for the last two hours, and I, I don't know where the lawn is. But anyway... Uh, the federal government has really contributed too to uh, the, the expansion of the economy in Prince Edward Island with, in Charlottetown and also in Summerside. And that has taken place over the last number of years. The fisheries uh, has also contributed to, to our economy. I think the mussel industry has really brought a lot to our economy. The settling down with the lobster industry is also a very positive effect. And the tourist industry also it continues to expand, along with the golf courses on PEI. It is not very many years ago that we didn't have the major tourist uh, places that we do have in the province. Now, Farman has had some problems, uh, and, it, and it is also going to a very... Uh, uh, reorganization of farming, I think, throughout the province, as it is in other parts of the world, and uh, and the budget shows that, Mr. Speaker. Uh, one of the things, though, with fisheries is the new report of the Northumberland Strait, which has got a concern for everyone. Uh, I'm really, I really, when I read the report, I was, uh, and I understand there's another report out now too. I think, where people are reading the same report that was out in the spring. And it is very worrisome when they say that the Northumberland Strait is near dead. Uh, it's almost impossible to believe that could happen. Uh, but I guess it is also contributing to the low fisheries, probably, especially the lobster fisheries on the, on the uh, south side. Uh, the lobster fisheries on the south side started off very well, lasted for a couple of weeks, and then uh, it, it just tore, it just slowed down dramatically, and now uh, some of the far, uh, fishermen are only going out there every second or third day. Trade hasn't, no. Trade My own riding has also expanded, Mr. Speaker, and I always consider it one of the best ridings in the province. I thought for a minute there he was going to shut that motor off. <laughs> it is one of the, uh, it is also a, a district with farming, fishing, working people of all kinds in the district. And there's many people, of course, go into Charlottetown. Uh, it is interesting to note when you're driving into the city in the morning, doesn't matter what time, uh, its traffic is very heavy, but also traffic is returning from the city. 
and, and is going out into the rural Prince Edward Island to do some work. Now, Mr. Speaker, there's some other things I want to cover. Thank the Lord, I think he shut the motor off. It's awful hard to compete with a motor ra raising in your background, isn't it? Uh, did, did the Minister of, of Transportation run out and tell him to shut it off? No, Lord, he's starting up again. Uh, historical plaques have been placed now in, in our district in three Orville Corner Village places. Uh, the church, which was a St. Andrew's church, originally a Presbyterian church, and then it became a United Church. And when the United Church uh, in our area uh, amalgamated, they uh, tore all the churches down except this one. And that one was able to be preserved. And of course, they built a new one in Vernon, which is a major church, a D.E. Clark's General Store. And one of the things I'm very pleased with is the Orville School. And I went to Orville School, grades one to nine. I think it was grade one to nine. Although I was out for four or five years there when I was six. And it's nice to see a place where you uh, were involved in. And uh, the hall in Orville is another, but it is not an antique place because it had burnt down and was replaced. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. And you were very quick in the draw. How did you get to them so quick? Uh, also, uh, the Woodville Mills is also a uh, demonstrated example of fine architecture. And it's nice that the province is recognizing these outstanding places, because if we don't do it, they'll soon disappear. One of the places that uh, we would like to have uh, recognized is, is the uh, French Cemetery in Belfast, which is one of the original cemeteries of 17, in the area of 1750. I'm not sure, I think it was 1750 to 17, uh, 1745 to 1760. And then the uh, expulsion of the French took place by, by England at that time. There is some Scottish settlers buried in the same cemetery. So it's a very historic cemetery. And it's only been replaced about the last uh, six or seven years ago. Uh, we got involved with a number of people. Uh, there's one of the gentlemen who was the, the real man who worked on it was uh, a McLeod man who since passed away and I'm asking him to uh, do something about that to remember him because at one time it was simply a, a, a forest of trees with a sign saying a French cemetery and now it is cleared and uh, it, it is a real historic site. They have been able to identify a number of uh, burial plots in it uh, and uh, I, they've done a lot of work on that cemetery. And uh, also the Bel Belfast Historic Society has moved the church, uh, Free Church of Scotland uh, from Bell River, which you might be interested in, the, uh, the late Dan Compton, who was a running mate of mine as former speaker of the legislature. It was his church that he attended to, and they have moved that to the, the park in, in the Lord Selkirk Park. And I'm very pleased to hear government has uh, stopped uh, any ideas of, of abandoning any parks, because I think they're a very unique and very special part of rural communities in Prince Edward Island. And the Lord Selkirk Park, of course, is the, is the area where Lord Selkirk landed in 1803 with his settlers, and they took over some of the French, some of the, some of the French people had left. They had cleared land, and they were able to move in 
and, uh, and take that land. Lord Salt could arrive in 1803, but, I, but and we got our, we are not Lord Salford's people. We came to the province in 17, my ancestors in 1772, but we got a deed to our property in 1803. So Lord Salford must have sent people ahead for some reason. Uh, and the other thing that I'm very pleased with, and this is something that should have happened a long time ago, not a long time ago, but it's the Hazelbrook construction and demolition site. Agreement has been reached between the province and the, and the district of Hazelbrook. And, and I think it's a real, a real eye-opener for government and for people involved in this type of thing. That agreements can be reached before a site is opened so that everybody's on the same, same tree and they know what's going on. So I think from now on, I hope that all governments will, because this site will be filled in not too many years' time. And uh, the community of Hazelbrook had fought it so hard, uh, but through a process of uh, mediation and negotiation, addressing the community's environmental and operation concerns, resolve the legal action related to the site. So it's wonderful to see that settled. Uh, some of the buildings that are, many of the buildings that are now uh, under the Re Heritage uh, Sites Registry Act include the Honorable J. Angus McLean building just across the street. And the Honorable J. Angus McLean, of course, is one of the war heroes of, of Second World War, a member for a long, long time of Parliament, former Prime Premier of this province. So it's nice to see that and to see it. Actually, I think it's an act, uh, part of the legislature now, isn't it? The building across the street. Uh, I'm not sure it's under the control of the legislature. And that's wonderful to see. Some of the other things that I, I would like to talk about is uh, how our, our job situation has improved. Uh, back in uh, in the 18, eight, uh, 1980s, our total people employed in PEI was around 50,000 people. We're now up to well over 60, heading towards 70. And export growth from PEI leads the country over the first 11 months of 2005. And that's wonderful to see when you think about Alberta. House and starts in rural and urban centers were down in 2005 but remain at high relatives to recent norms. Non-residential construction activities continue to expand in 2005, and all you have to do is look around Charlottetown and see the different expansion taking place there. It's quite a bit. Building permits were up by 25 million last year. In 2006, the construction sector will be busy with continued work on the new federal building and the Atlantic Veterinary College. I think the Landon Veterinary College has recently just started. Master Packing Incorporating Board in Carlton would spend $14 million to add 25,000 square feet to a facility and to purchase new equipment. And no wonder the, minute, the, ma the honorable member from Board in Carlton has got a smile on his face. And that's wonderful to see that pack. I understand that, that there has been a sale of uh, island pack the Packers, uh, the uh, island packing company in some that's not right. And I believe it's probably going there too. Phase two of the Summerside Wellness Center is now complete with work underway in phase two. Phase one was valued at 13.5 million, with phase two valued at 15 million. 
In December of 2005, for the first time ever, the province released its first ever long-term capital spending plan. The plan projects nearly $250 million in provincial capital spending over the next five years. And that's interesting. Uh, I come from a large riding, and it's awful hard to, for the roads to keep them all up to date. Uh, and it is too bad in our province that we can't seem to come up with that right base for the roads. Uh, I know that governments over the years have been trying different things, but it's very hard to do. In the 2006-2007, 54 million in capital spends will include funds for various highways and infrastructure projects across the province. The school system will be, see over 9 million in upgrades, including 5.25 million for the West Prince School. Last night I attended the graduation at the Vern River School. I was there when the school was open. There was 400 students. This year we're down to 202. Next year we're project 180. And the year after that we may lose as much as 20. So we really have an issue in rural PEI about school. If the population uh, of children continues to drop, uh, it means for this year they're able to hold their teachers the same number, uh, but they expect that next year and the year after they will lose a number of te teachers. Capital spending has averaged about $35 million over the last five years, and the transport and transportation and public works will spend nearly $150 million in capital projects. Additional projects over the five years include $20 million for the Queen Elizabeth redesign and $14 million for a new school in Montague. And one of the real positive aspects of the economy in PEI and, and our future is the renewable energy. I think this is an area where a lot of things can happen uh, to help the farming community, to help the, uh, uh, the cost of electricity. And some of those things that are taking place, the federal and provincial government will work with Maritime Electric to upgrade the electric transmission system between PEI and New Brunswick. Cost is estimated at 60 million, 600 million, no, 60 million, pardon me, and when double the transmission capacity from 200 megawatts to 400 megawatts. Projects completed date is mid-2008. The Renewable Energy Act passed here in 2004 requires utilities to purchase at least 15% of their electricity from renewable sources by 2010. The province plans to have at least 200 megawatts of power by that time and 250 megawatts by 2015. The 350 megawatts of wind power is equivalent to reducing approximately 1 million tons of greenhouse gas or 150,000 car exhaust emissions. Now that's more than, any, than we have in the province for cars and trucks. Isn't it interesting to see how hot it's getting and how members are starting to... I know myself, the sweat is just pouring off. And I'll have to leave this evening and I won't be able to anybody stay around me. Well, you don't wear deodorant. <laughs> That's right. That helps me too. The Northwind farm is currently producing 110 megawatts of electricity and other renewable general capacity in various stages of development. A new $55 million wind farm program, 30 million watts, is set to begin operation this fall. And isn't that something? 
Ventus Energy Incorporated has plans for an 18 million nine megawatt facility near Norway and Maritime Electric and other private sector business, including Ventus, are assessing, are assessing options for future power expansions. One of the things about renewable energy is the great strides being taken by uh, the United States government, by various Ontario governments in, in the using of, uh, and I've lost the word, when you take uh, fuel, and like uh, the energy from fuel, like uh, even barley and wheat is called Ethanol, thank you. We took the minister. China. I wondered if he knew about that. <laughs> There's a lot of ethanol being produced in the world. <laughs> it's being produced in the world, and it's a big help for farmers. Uh, maybe uh, this province, I think, hope that somewhere between this province and maybe other provinces close by, the maritime provinces, that we could get ethanol produced here. Uh, the United States government has banned the 5% that was being used in their gas. It's a very uh, environmental, I can't remember the name of it, it is very environmentally unfriendly, and ethanol is environmentally friendly. So they've made that move, and in the United States, there is, uh, at present time, over 100 uh, ethanol plants, and they expect to rise to 200 and some. So that's quite a move being taken place. The CPI for last year was 2.1%, energy growth up 8.7%, and the CPI it was up by 1.9 nationally. In PEI, the employment expanded by 0.9%, an average of 66,700 islands employed monthly, another new all-time high. Employment increased by 600 jobs in 2004, and they continued to do so in 2005. Employment in the service providing sector expanded by 0.4% in 2004, Employment in the good, goods producing sector rose by 1.8%. And PI's employment rate averaged 11.3. Still probably a little high. We should be able to get that down to about 9% at least. Uh, and it is interesting to note that uh, while the employment rate is, is continuing to drop, we have lost a large number of people, especially of tradespeople, to uh, Alberta and some even into Saskatchewan. Uh, now, I, you can't blame them for going there because the, the, the rate of pay is phenomenal. Although I've known people who've gone to Alberta and couldn't get the right job and had to come back. Uh, so you need a trade. There's no sense of just going out there with no trade. You need a trade and you've got to be able to work. That's one of the things they demand is, yeah. is work. Employment gains also are realized in health, education, and public administration sector, the primary sector and the trade sector. We had 137,864 people in PEI on July 1, 2004, and our population growth was 598 people. Now, that's not too many. Uh, I don't know whether immigration, we can do it with immigration, it seems that uh, so many countries of the world today are looking for immigrants. All over the world, immigration is becoming a big thing. Uh, although uh, we have, uh, as I understand it, a number of people from Colombia now, and there's a, a good Colombian group in Prince Edward Island, and that may well uh, have more people coming from there. 
We all know that the people who came from Holland have still continued to meet as, as people from Holland, and their children uh, are still going. They have a, a wonderful church with tremendous attend attendance here in Charlottetown. And it all helps if you have some background to come to. Like if we as individuals went to some other country where there was no Canadians or no Islanders, we know what difficulty we would have. So it's a big help to them. And uh, they also have an organization called the Newcomers Organization, which is doing a tremendous amount of work on Prince Edward Island, trying to get people in. I think they are, by, by my understanding, are the people who have been able to get these people from Columbia to come here. Now, we're talking about urban and rural. The urban population in 2001 was 60,675, and the rural population was 74,000, almost 75,000. Now, I'm sure that has deteriorated somewhat, and there's more in the urban. And the Francophone population, these would be people who speak French, was 5,665. But we have a population density uh, per kilometer of 24 people, which is the highest in Canada, of course. Majority of interprovincial migration comes from Ontario and Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Alberta, and of course, Newfoundland and Labrador. And the life expectancy in PEI of males is now 76.2 years, females 81.3. I don't know why they're so far ahead of us, but that's not too bad. I think, I think we're catching up. I think it used to be five years in between, but we're catching up all the time. The manufacturing, the value of island shipments rose from 1.356 million in 2003 to 1.414 million in 2004, representing an all-time high and an increase of 4.3%. The sector provides employment to 9.3% of islanders, and in 2004 there were 6,200 islanders working in manufacturing unchanged from the 2003 level. I can remember when the industrial mall in Charlottetown was first formed. What a terrible thing people thought it was. And here we are today with 6,200 people working in manufacturing. And I think one of the people who uh, did so much for the industrial mall and was never recognized for it, and I remember telling them so, was the, was the doctor who was a member from Charlottetown, Dr. Maloney. He took a tremendous amount of criticism, and so did ministers after him, for giving uh, grants and, and loans to manufacturing. I'll, I'll admit some of them that came in first were as crooked as can be, and we got rid of them. Go See, we, a wine bottle. That's right. We got rid of them, and now we, we're solid. We're, we're solid in that manufacturing, in exporting, and in development. And, of course, the space center in Summerside, airspace center, has certainly contributed to that. But you have to start summers, and you have to be able to... Everybody's looking for these manufacturers. When I was Minister of Industry, I used to go to Toronto, and I'd see all these little plants around, and I'd wonder, why can't five or six of them come to PEI, or some of them, you know, because there's hundreds around Toronto. And as a matter of fact, I used to work in some of them one time. So, uh, and of course, I was the one who worked so hard to get Lytton to come here, uh, we, uh, we first met with Lytton in the Premier's office, and he just came to the PEI as a courtesy. And uh, we decided that we'd go for it, and we did, and we changed their mind pretty well completely. 
And one of the people that helped us was the first employee of Lytton was a man by the name of, uh, he was from Iona, originally from Iona, and he was the first employee. And let me tell you, every time we went to, to work with Lytton or to meet with them, he was the guy who looked after all their cars and trucks. I can't remember his first name. And uh, he was a big help. And he was one of them who wanted Lytton to come to the province. One of the other, other things that we have going for us, although it's a little bit of problems now, is the forestry production, which is valued at $18.1 million. But right now, the forest products are not great, but we still see a lot of trucks on the road going boat ways, going to Georgetown, going outside of the province, with, depending on what, what kind of uh, products they have. And they are employing a very large number of people, too. Not as many as they used to get be because of the, uh, of the machinery being, uh, being so uh, used now, uh, although there is still a few people who go into the woods with chainsaws. Agriculture is one which I'm quite interested in. Total farm cash receipts are, was $348.3 million, and that was in 1984, but I think it also increased in 85. Decline in total receipts was mainly due to decline in potato revenues, but I think all potato farmers have got a good smile on their face these days because 1985 was very good and prospects, they've done a wonderful job of reducing their acreage of potatoes and they should be recognized for that. And they have to realize that production and, and uh, consumption are very, very important. If you're going to produce more than you can, then they consume, well, the price won't be there. And oversupply of potatoes kept the price down in, 1980, 80, in 2003, and actually in 2004 then, the supply and the price uh, increased. And livestock receipts increased by 8.9%. Government support payments to farm operation increased by 72.7%. In, two, in, 19, in 2004, I don't know why I'm getting 19 here, but 2004 over 2003, which is quite a, a, an increase. And, of course, uh, our farmers are looking forward to, uh, to the program now being readjusted, uh, the CASE program. Uh, they, uh, especially within the hogs and, and, uh, and beef cattle operations, uh, I don't expect that the potatoes would be much changed but we're looking forward to that taking place. I understand that no, no payments will be made from that program until the fall. Uh, one of the things that's happened in PEI with the, with the uh, hog operation is they have now gone into very, very large hog operations, tremendously large. Actually, it'll boggle your mind to walk into some of them large buildings just to see uh, the, uh, the operation. I had the opportunity to visit two of them before they opened up. And I rem when I started farming in 1957, uh, 58, 50, yeah, I get that. 1907? <laughs> it was un unheard of to have any more than two or three thousand in your farm operation. There's no, no, no person left in the island, I'm sure, with two or three thousand. They're in the hundreds and hundreds of things. And it's the same with uh, dairy. If you had six or nine cows, you were, you know, you were in the mood. And uh, 
you kept the cattle from them, from the dairy. Very few people were into, into, into uh, potato cattle themselves, in, into beef cattle themselves. So there has been a tremendous change, and that's only in the last 40 years, I suppose, 45 years. Uh, and that's why the decline in hog prices is so devastating to these hog operations, because they're large. I was talking to a hog operator not very long ago, and the price now is $1.37, and he's being told by those people who know that the price is going to drop to a dollar, and it's going to stay there for a while. So that, that is devastating to these people. They're losing money at $1.37. The break-even point is somewhere between a dollar forty-five and a dollar fifty. Uh, maybe some are less than a dollar forty-five. Depends if they got their their equipment paid for it and the building paid for it. So they have, uh, and dairy prices have increased steadily from 1997 to 2004. From last year's statistic review, 646,137 acres of land were devoted to farming and PEI representing 46% of the land mass. So we're only farming 46%. And as a matter of fact, this year I have seen a few fields that are not being used, which is kind of sad. We've got to look and see what's going on there. Wholesaler retail sectors remain the largest private sector employer in the province at 15.3%. Employment rose from 8,800 8, persons in 1995 to 10,200 in 2004. This is in the retail trade section. Sales have been valued at $1.384.7 million, virtually unchanged from 2003. Main growth components were specialized in building materials and garden stores, furniture, new and used motor vehicles, gas service stations, supermarket sales, from 1993 to 2004, retail sales have increased by 57%. That's a tremendous increase of 57%. Well, Mr. Speaker, I could go on for a little longer, but I think I have spoke long enough. Uh, and uh, I will uh, adjourn the debate. Okay.